Hello. Hello, this is Corey Stoltz calling for Rip Clanahan. How are you? I'm doing all right. I got a bit of a cold, so bear, bear with me. I apologize. How's the weather in St. Louis? Very hot today, as a matter of fact. Oh, I'm sorry, darling. I'm sorry about your cold. Well, I appreciate it. So I'm a, a very big fan of this play and movie, so I'm really looking forward to seeing this show. I hope it's going to be as we expect. I think it's better. You hope it's going to be as good as what? As, as good as, as the fans expect it to be. Oh, I, oh darling, it's going to blow them away. Oh, good, good. It's hilarious. When was your first time discovering the works of Del Shores? Twenty some odd years ago, I went to see a play that he had, Daddy's Dying, Who's Got the Will, it was right. called. You saw that? Yes, well, I saw the movie version. He made a movie of it? Yes, yeah. Bo Bridges, and well, there's a bunch of people in that. Well, now, wait a that was Sorted Lives. No, no, he did this movie before Sorted Lives. Yeah, Bo Bridges was in both. Oh, I didn't know he'd made a movie of Daddy's Dying. So anyhow, then I didn't hear from him until last October. <laughs> well, you know, things move fast, show business. So I got the script from him, and he said, I want you to play the part of Peggy. And I've made a movie, and blah, blah, blah. So I went and bought the movie and looked at it, and of course Peggy was in the coffin, and I said, well, then I read the script. Uh, series, and it was so hilarious. And of course, it's a prequel, you know. So I said, this man's a genius. He is a comic genius. Of course, he was going to direct it, and he's not only a comic genius, but a gorgeous human being. Yes, definitely. definitely. Oh, my. And I said, you know, I just want to be a part of this. Well, I'd had knee surgery, and I'd puffed it all up with a lip, and I'm just as big as a beach ball. Well, not now, but I was then. <laughs> and I did it anyway. I went down there. They had to use a wheelchair to help me get around, and, and it was a true labor of love on everybody's part. Did it kind of help shape your portrayal, knowing the way that Peggy ends up at the end? No, because, you see, I can't know something the character doesn't well, know. Well, that's true. That's true. No, I can't play it that way. I guess what we know about Peggy, we really only hear secondhand in the film. So what are some of the things that people are going to learn about her as we see her alive? Well, she's a very sweet, church-going little lady who's never had a drink of beer, never been to a beer hall, very humdrum life, has the two daughters and a son. I put a little flat hat on top of my head, a little pillbox hat, and I said, look here, Dale, I want to wear these every time she goes to church and even sometimes when she goes to Bubba's. <laughs> and so I made hats. I made hats. I have become a milliner. I made 12 hats, and I was able to wear five of them in the first 12 that we shot. Well, that's great. They're just terribly perfect, perfectly terrible. And, of course, I'm all folded up with limp. I mean, Rue McClanahan is. And so Peggy looks very fat, and she's got this little frat head right on top of her head in the middle. She's just this little soft-spoken mouse who then, after she discovers sex, well, there is a backbone to this woman. And she's sweet, but she isn't going to take any guff. Sure, sure. How does the romance get started with Peggy? She gets her best friend, who's now dead, her best friend's daughter out of prison, Bitsy May, played by... Olivia, and uh, she goes to it there, and Bitsy May, you know, she's been in prison 18 months, she wants to go to Bubba's and have a beer, and Peggy says, well, I'm a good Christian woman, I've never even been inside, she says, well, it's high time, so off they go, and of course, she kind of peeks around the corner at the front door, and, oh, it's just this den of iniquity, she's never been in such a place, and right. the Baptist church is just right down the street, and that's her bailiwick, so she goes in, G.W. is sitting at the bar, and he's just awfully despondent. You know, he's the Vietnam veteran without the legs. Right. And his wife, Nolita, played by the hilarious Caroline Ray, won't go to bed with him if he takes his legs off, but he can't perform if he doesn't take his legs off, so they have a problem. Right. So I have a couple of beers, and I see this G.W., a young man, my kid's age, sitting over there at the bar, and I go over and try to get him to come out on the dance floor, and he says, oh, I, I can't dance. And I said, oh, honey, if you can walk, you can dance. And so we start dancing. 
this slow dance. It's real kind of sweet, slow dance. And he falls for Peggy. They fall in love. Right. Now, the relationship between Bitsy Bay and Peggy is kind of hinted at in the movie as well. How does their relationship develop? Are they friends? Well, I asked her since she's been in prison for burning down her trailer, which she was not guilty of. She got framed. She says all she has is clothes on her back and her guitar. And I say, well, Theodore died three years ago, and I've been alone in that big old house, which isn't a big old house, but it's got a couple of bedrooms. I say, why don't you move in with me till you get on your feet? And she does. And they become pals. But Bitsy May still is suspicious of why Peggy has invited her to live with her, why she's being so nice to her. And she thinks maybe she's a lesbian. And I say, honey, come, up, come with me. I want to show you something. So I take her out to the cemetery. And there at her mama's grave, we discuss what happened that night that her mama got killed. It was by the brute of a husband, Bitsy May's dad. And her mama had begged me that if anything ever happened to her, because she'd come over beat up my house and after he landed her a good one and she said please promise me you'll take care of Bitsy Bay if anything happens. See Bitsy Bay was only three then but then I couldn't because the father threatened to kill me if I interfered or anybody else. He never would let anybody visit after he married this woman and I never got to see my friend except when she'd sneak off and very seldom come to me and she was pregnant at the time and then she had Bitsy May who was three. So that's that story. Okay. Now, uh, this is definitely a different type of uh, Southern character than you played. Played a Southerner in, uh, um, uh, what was that thing called? Oh, Golden Girls. Right. But this is not Southern. This is North Texas. That's right. different. Okay. Okay. This is just Redneck Hick. <laughs> Have you ever been able to play a Redneck Hick before this? Oh, sure. I've played plenty of Texas people. That's where I come from. So I know Southern Oklahoma, Northern Texas, Panhandle of Texas. I know those people very well. It seems like that there's always a great camaraderie with Dell's cast, and he likes to use a lot of the same people over and over again. They become a repertory company. It was my first time to work with him, and I think Caroline Ray's first time, and it was David Steen's first time. He plays P.W. And, of course, we all just fit in just like fingers of a glove. Wow. Just wonderful. I had worked with Beth Grant, who plays my sister Sissy. Right. We had done play out the Amundsen in L.A. picnic back in 86. So we remained acquaintances. And who else did I know? Well, I didn't know any of the others. I didn't know Marisley, and I didn't know Bonnie, and I didn't know my wonderful other daughter, Anna. Yeah. I didn't know any of the other people. I had met Dale, and I knew Beth, and that was about it. It just seems kind of magical that these casts work so well together. What is it that Dale does to, to bring together such uh, people that work so well together? He does the same thing that I saw Norman Lear do when I joined the cast of Maud. And he's the first person I've ever worked with since Norman Lear, who is this same type person. He is so good and so smart and so talented and so appreciative of talent. And he's so patient and so good-hearted and so good-natured and cheerful and hard-working. And uh, he just picks people that make him feel good. And they make each other feel good. And he keeps thinking that he's got a repertory company now. Right. Well, it's a good talent to have, for sure. Very rare. Yeah, I, I believe that. Now, I've interviewed Leslie before. He's a hoot. What's the relationship like between Peggy and Brother Boy? Well, she put him in the mental institution 22 years ago to save his life because he was a little homosexual runt who was getting beat up on a lot by the bullies in school. And as soon as he was out of high school, she slapped him in the mental institution. He's been there for 22 years, and she's crazy about him. He doesn't think that highly of her. He hates being in the mental institution. He'd love to get out. But there is a new doctor there, Dr. Eve, who has a theory that she can cure homosexuality in a year. 
And so she talks to Peggy and Brother Boy's sisters and wonders if they'd like her to try this. And, of course, we're highly enthusiastic. We want him out of there, and we want him cured. And, of course, he's just as gay as geeks. I mean, he is not going to fall for any of this stuff. So what he tries to do <laughs> with another inmate, he tries to escape. Well, he tried to kill himself, of course, but they tell me why Nett died, and he found out. So he jumped out the window. He got through the bars of the window and jumped, but he was only on the second floor. And so uh, he's in a coma because he hit his head on a lawn gnome <laughs> on the way down, and so he's in a coma. And the day I get Bitsy May out of prison, this is when that happened. So the next day, I get back into town, and the girls are able to find me, and my daughters and I go out to the Looney bin, and we visit him in his coma. And he knows we're there, but we don't know he can hear what we're saying. And we have the interview with Dr. Eve and say to her, yes, we do want this. It would always be a miracle if you could just cure it. Of course, she's crazier than a bed bug, Dr. Eve. <laughs> right. Now, the series is kind of gearing us up for what happens in the movie. Do we get all the way to the big scene with the Peggy tripping over the legs? Yep, that's the last scene of the last episode, I believe. Had you talked to Dell about the possibility of seeing what happens after... That's a big secret. It is, okay. Uh-huh, and I can't talk about it. Because we definitely don't want to see the last of you. If not playing Peggy, then maybe, uh, you know, another mystery character or something. Well, there'll be something to follow. <laughs> That's great. Well, I, I want to congratulate you and the rest of the cast up for the TV Land Award. Thank you. That was, was a, a nice thing. Was that the first time you'd seen each other in a while? It was the first time I'd seen them, the three of us together, since they flew to New York and we signed our seventh-year DVD down at Barnes & Noble down in Chelsea. So that was, what, three, four years ago, I guess? To the just like old times when you do get together? Yeah. We all have our own set of, I live in New York, and they don't see each other out there. No, we were never a social group. We were always working companions. It is kind of interesting that you ended up working together at several projects over the last 30 or 40 years, though. Vaud and then Mama's Family and then Golden Girls. And... Yeah, it was a very interesting influence of events. Yes, yeah, definitely, definitely. That show, the, the popularity, just it's astounding how it continues. I mean, there are young kids that watch the show now, and it's still a very popular show with the gay men. Why do you think it resonates so well with so many different walks of life? I went in to see Caroline Ray last night at a comedy club here, and I walked in a few minutes late. They hadn't done the first. There were three of them performing. She was last, and the MC was on the stage, and as I walked in with my husband and my friend, he looked up from the mic and he said, Who's that? And I said, oh, hi, it's Rue McClanahan. And the whole room burst into great applause. And there were only three or four middle-aged people in there. They were all kids from Atlanta and Austin and Norway and Texas. Well, I said Texas, Austin, Oklahoma, and here and there. And they were all in their 20s and 30s. And this one was even 19, but he said, I have to lie to say I'm 21 so I can get in here. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was extremely... Well, it was illuminating. It was gratifying. And the reason is because Golden Girls wasn't just some piece of fluff, which is what I think Sex and the City essentially was. Right. It was, in fact, a story about friendship and a put-together family that weren't related except for Dorothy and Sophia. And they loved each other. They supported each other. And we brought up subjects that were taboo at the time. That's true. You know, we did some homosexual shows. We did a lesbian show and two gay shows. I had a gay brother, and then he got married to his mate, and uh, Blanche came to accept that. And we did a show about AIDS, when Betty thinks maybe she's HIV positive, and he has to go in for a test. Right. And uh, we did a show about fatigue syndrome, where Dorothy has it. Oh, right, right. Because the writer, Susan Harris, has it. And nobody was examining that at the time. It was 
pretty new. And uh, so what stress these people go through because they didn't know what it was. And she was misdiagnosed by a couple of doctors. And, you know, we treated abortion and facelifts and things that were serious subjects in such a marvelous way because the writers were so brilliant. And that resonates. It has depth. Absolutely, absolutely. But I mean, it takes a very talented court group to make it so believable and last for so long and stay so fresh. Year I don't year. think, well, of course, they've cast it well, too. I'm saying it took all of us. But it's not just because it was funny, which it was. And it's not just the gay community that responds to it. They respond to it, too. But the heterosexual community is extremely enthusiastic and very, there are just lots of fans. And as you say, from early age on, because the kids that are seeing it now, thank God it's still rerunning, think it's new. Right, that's true. And it retains its freshness because it's sincere. It's got integrity. Absolutely, absolutely. I was in the audience the day that you were on The View when you were talking about your books. I got a copy of it. That was a very fun read. That was a nice book. Oh, thank you. I'm glad you liked it. How long did that take you to put together? Oh, a couple of years off and on. I didn't buckle down right away. I just kept notes, and then I started gathering them, and I don't even remember. But I know that it was out in time to be published. (laughs) And now it's being made into a one-woman Broadway musical. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic to come to Broadway in about a year. A brilliant man is just behind it, and he's just, oh, he's just the best. And he's another one. He's another one who is so unusually well-balanced, I guess is what it takes. Well-balanced, like Norman Lear and like Del Shores, and he doesn't have a bone to pick. Nobody's fool, but he is kind and gentle and very, very smart. Excellent, excellent. What's his name? His name is Michael LaRue, coincidence. Not true. <laughs> I'll have to look him up. Oh, he is worth knowing. Fantastic. Well, I'm really, like I said, looking forward to seeing the show. The play actually has a very special meaning to me because I performed in a cast here in St. Louis. I played Wardell, and my partner was in the audience at the time, and that's how we met after the show. Are you a big guy? Am I a big guy? Yeah, I would say I'm on the bigger side. Because Wardell in the movie is really big and tall. He is. Yeah, he is. I'm 5'11", but I casted pretty well. Brother Boy was a little guy in our cast. He was probably 5'2". You know, oh, that's giant compared to Leslie. He's 4'11". <laughs> that's true. That's true. Well, I can't wait to see the show. Well, I appreciate you taking some time to talk to me today. It was a pleasure. I hope the show's a huge success. I hope so, too. Thank you very much. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye.